0: roar of a v-twin rolling down the highway the wind in your face as two wheels carry you across the country nothing but you and your motorcycle in the time since its creation the name harley davidson has almost become synonymous with motorcycles as anybody and everybody knows who they are and what they make even people who know nothing about bikes know what harley davidson is and as arguably the most recognizable motorcycling name in the world harleys can always start a conversation. In today's podcast, we dive into a little bit of Harley history, and we also converse with a tried-and-true Harley head. I'm Alex Bush, and this is The Iron Steed. Moving right into Harley history. The legendary company was founded all the way back in 1903 with William Harley, Arthur Davidson, and Walter Davidson. A third Davidson brother by the name of William joined the company in 1907 when they officially became incorporated. With three Davidsons to one Harley, you may be thinking that the company should have been called Davidson Harley instead, but William Harley came up with the original idea for the motorbike, so they agreed to put his name first. The company saw... A little bit of a slow start, producing only three motorcycles in 1904, but production jumped to 150 motorcycles in 1907, and during the First World War, Harley produced and sold 20,000 motorcycles to the U.S. military. By 1921, the company had managed to go international and had dealers in 67 different countries. And some of the iconic features of Harley-Davidson that are still seen today were introduced way back in these early years. The first V-twin, for instance, was produced in 1909, and the teardrop gas tank made its debut in 1926. The Great Depression led to a slump in sales for the company, but Harley was one of only two major American manufacturers to survive this economic slump, the other one being Indian. Fast forward a few years to 1969, and Harley-Davidson was purchased by American Machine and Foundry, or AMF. Harley's years under AMF's rule saw reduced quality in their bikes, which led to decreased sales and an increasingly bad reputation for the company. In 1981, a group of 13 investors, led partially by Willie G. Davidson, bought Harley back from AMF and saved the company. They improved the quality of the bikes, and they revived the Harley name by recre- recreating the old school look and feel of some of the older Harleys rather than by trying to mimic the Japanese competition. Not today, today, Harley Davidson is once again a top dog in the industry. But the motorcycling world is changing. Sport bikes, adventure bikes, naked bikes, they're all becoming more popular, and in some instances, more popular than traditional cruisers. To remain competitive, Harley has released the Pan America, its first modern adventure bike, as well as the Sportster S, which is a very performance oriented motorcycle that may be one of the fastest ever produced by Harley Davidson. That wraps up the history section of today's podcast. Now let's move right on in to today's interview. Okay, so we have got Dean now as our guest for today's episode. Dean, thank you for joining me today.
1: No problem, Alex.
0: Yeah, so, uh... Dean, why don't, you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, just to start things off here.
1: Oh, a little bit about myself. I am a self-employed plumber, and I enjoy riding motorcycles, and I'm also an assistant coach on the Central Falcons Trap Team.
0: Sounds, sounds good. All right. Uh, so, going back to this motorcycle thing, because you know that's kind of what we're talking about today, yeah. how, and, uh, how and when did you get into motorcycling?
1: Uh, when I was about five years old, my dad bought me a dirt bike, and I um, I never was off of that dirt bike. If I had to go 20 feet, I'd hop on my dirt bike and ride 20 feet. So obviously through grade school through high school, I rode and uh, sometimes raced dirt bikes. And I bought my first Harley Davidson when I was 23 years old. Um, I had a love for Harley and decided I wanted to be on the road and give it a try, so I went out against my father's wishes and bought my first Harley Davidson.
0: It's generally against the parents' wishes, I think.
1: Yeah, I was 23 years old, so he didn't think I was ready.
0: Wow. 23 years old, make your own decisions, right?
1: Uh, Absolutely.
0: So, (laughs) you said you bought Harley right away. What What was your first Harley Davidson?
1: My first Harley Davidson, which I still own was a 1992 soft tail custom
0: did you buy that new or used
1: i bought it used off of a friend of the family
0: very nice so you said you had already liked harley's and you know that's kind of what you were thinking about getting but what exactly was it that made you choose or was that just kind of something that you'd heard and wanted Yep,
1: i grew up on honda dirt bikes so i was a big honda guy the honda Goldwings were the street version of uh, that was the version of Honda's street bike they're big, they're fantastic motorcycles, they're smooth, and they're quiet. And I wanted the rough-riding, rumbling, vibrating, loud Harley-Davidson. The looks and the sound of the Harley-Davidson is absolutely what attracted me to them.
0: Just kind of that classic motorcycle thing that you think of when you think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. once you've ridden a Harley, it's pretty hard to jump on anything else. They're, they're just in a class all their own.
0: That's pretty good. So that was your first one. That was way back in 1992. Uh, that's what 30 years ago now. How many Harley's <laughs> have you had since then?
1: Oh, after that, I still have that one. And then in 1999, I purchased a new Road King. And back in uh, 99, there was a waiting list for Harley Davidson. Um, they kept the manufacturing numbers low. And there was a big demand for them. So you had to wait about a year to get one. So I went to a dealership and ordered one. It was Cobalt Blue. So I loved blue. My first Harley was blue. I ordered another blue Harley. Well, a year later when it came in, I went to the dealership. And much to my surprise, Cobalt Blue is basically a purple. Um, Dean did not want a purple Harley Davidson. <laughs> um, I rode that motorcycle for a year, had about 10,000 miles on it, and I had a buddy that was turning 50 years old, and his wife wanted to buy that. She loved that color. So I gladly sold that purple motorcycle to her. Back then, because of the demand and the waiting list for Harleys, I actually sold that motorcycle for $2,000 more than I paid for it, and I had ridden it 10,000 miles.
0: Now that's unusual. That is yeah so
1: that was a that was a no-brainer I immediately took that money went to the local Harley dealer and ordered myself a black road King <laughs> so and then I ended up my next bike would have been a 2001 black Harley-davidson road King I loved that bike I rode that bike for many years um, until I rode it from 2001 till 2012 I think I had about 60,000 miles on it. I uh, sold that motorcycle and When I was growing up, I had a yellow truck in high school a big jacked-up yellow Ford and then I had yellow ATVs kind of like the color yellow and In 2013 Harley came out with a yellow Street Glide and it was going to be a one-year color only so in 2013 I went and bought a yellow Street Glide um, I currently have that Harley-Davidson still. I think I've seen um, that one. I think I've yep. seen that one. Yeah. I take trips out west on that every year usually. And um, so that would have been my fourth Harley. Um, meanwhile, in the middle there, my wife had a Harley-Davidson Sportster, and she traded that in and bought a Harley-Davidson Lowrider. That fit her really well. Um, we had kids. She sold her Lowrider. She went without a motorcycle for about 10 years, and a couple years ago, we purchased her another lowrider. So she currently has that motorcycle. Um, probably 20 years ago, my dad and I were working out in Beloit, and we came by an old um, automobile shop, an old car shop and gas station. And there was a really old Harley Davidson leaning next to the building. And we pulled in and talked to the gentleman and we were able to purchase that Harley-Davidson. It was a 1949 WL Harley-Davidson. And, yes, go ahead.
0: I was just gonna ask, is that running? Or did you ever get it running?
1: It it ran, but not well. (laughs) Um, We brought it home, I did some work on it, got it running better, um, put a clutch in it. And we used to just ride it around locally, my dad and I, it's got a foot clutch, and a hand shifter on the gas tank so it's a very unique motorcycle to drive about eight years ago i took that motorcycle all apart and restored it top to bottom so i have taken that to some shows recently and i've won first place best of class best of show Um, it's a fun old motorcycle to ride goes about 55 miles an hour if you're really riding it so i have that 1949 harley And my father passed away four years ago, and he had a 2000 Harley-Davidson Heritage Softail with 15,000 miles on it, and I rode every mile with him. We used to take trips up north and around Wisconsin, and when he passed away, I was able to purchase his motorcycle off of the family. So currently, the wife has one, and I have four. So... I do have five motorcycles.
0: <laughs> Currently, if I'm tallying up right, it sounds like you've had about six and your wife's had three, so that's nine-ish, yeah. somewhere in there?
1: Yep, absolutely. All Harley-Davidson. All Harley-Davidson's, yep.
0: That's yeah, it's pretty good. There,
1: um, is, there is a picture out there. My father-in-law rode Goldwings, and he insisted one day I take his Goldwing for a ride, and I refused and refused, and... To uh, stay on his good side, I took his goldwing for a ride. And to my surprise, when I came back up the driveway, he was standing there with a the camera and he took a picture of me. So there is evidence that I have ridden a <laughs> Honda Goldwing at one point in my lifetime.
0: We don't show those to people, though. That's, that's We try not to. We don't show that to people, no. Nope.
1: We don't, know. You're the first person I've really admitted it to that hasn't <laughs> seen the pictures.
0: So. Well, anybody who listens to this is going to hear it now, so. Yeah, that's all good. That's picture, all good. The picture doesn't get shown, though, so it's okay. No good. So... <laughs> And then, just a little thing though, like those hand clutches. When do you know off the top of your head when Harley stopped making the foot clutch or hand shift? I know they uh, did those for yeah. many many years, but I don't know exactly when they stopped making. Yeah, them. They, they did them
1: in a, for a long time. Now, to be exact, they were dangerous. Um, you had to be very coordinated to do it, and they soon figured out. You know, the better op- mode of operation would be to put a a hand clutch on the handlebar and then a foot shifter, It had to be. Early 1950s. Early 50s. My recollection. I like a lot of 1960 Harleys, and I don't think they called them a suicide shifter because they were dangerous. Because you had to take your hand off the handlebar, push yep. the clutch, and shift. Um, so they were called a suicide shifter. And I don't believe there's any 1960 models. And I don't know how far in. Must have been early 50s they discontinued that that hand hand shifter.
0: Yeah. I might go and look that up, but just uh, just just wondering. Mm -hmm. So, given that you've had, like, nine of these things, what is your favorite that you've ever had?
1: You know, I'll I'll tell you, the 1949. um, When I come home from work and I'm stressed out at the end of the day, I just like getting on that old motorcycle and putting down the road at 40, 50 miles an hour. You really have to work it. Um, There's no return spring on the throttle. So when you give it gas and you want to slow down, you have to manually, physically let off of the gas. Most motorcycles have a return spring so then when you let off the gas the left hand grip actually retards and advances the distributor for power. So then you have to retard the distributor to get the idle down, push in the foot clutch, downshift or upshift the shifter, then you do the opposite. You release the clutch, you advance the timing with your left hand and advance the accelerator with your right. So it's a lot to drive that motorcycle, and I just like chugging around on that old motorcycle. It's only a three-speed, and you can, a lot of times, leave it in third gear and go from 25 to 55 miles an hour. Oh, I just like getting out on the back roads. The only bad thing with that motorcycle, it does not take off fast, and it does not brake fast. So <laughs> with today's traffic, you need to be careful. Uh, and you, you need any to be. motorcycle. That's yeah, you need to be extra alert, because um, last summer I got very brave, and I went down Highway 50 with it, and I had cars flying up behind me, buzzing around me, and it was a it was a little unnerving, but I was looking for some adventure. But um, yeah, and I will tell you, um, my 2013 Street Glide, that's my newest motorcycle. Um, I've had opportunities to buy newer bikes the last couple of years, and I've thought about it. But the engine that they put in that motorcycle was 103 cubic inches. And I've ridden it out in the Rocky Mountains. I've ridden it down in the Smoky Mountains. I've ridden it in the Bear, uh, the Bighorn Mountains. And the power range on that motorcycle, top to bottom, is second to none. Um, fuel injected, it's just the torque and the power. It's, that bike is just a pleasure to drive. There's never a struggle. If you want to get somewhere or take some aggression out, and do a little racing. Um, that that don't engine street on, don't street race. That's dangerous. No, 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 not street race. <laughs> so, but that motorcycle is fantastic. I love, and it's so comfortable. When you hop on that motorcycle, you instantly think I could just ride this to the east or the west coast. Now, my '92 Softail, if you ride it two hours, uh, it's got a, a solid mounted engine. It's mounted right to the frame. Oh, There's no no vibrations. rubber. Big a lot vibrations. of vibration. So yeah, that motorcycle after 2 hours you're ready to get off and try to get the circulation back in your legs, but <laughs> but it's still fun.
0: So that 103 cubic inches, do you know what that is in cc's off the top of your head?
1: Yeah. Um I believe it's 1780. 17. I believe it, yeah, but I believe it's 1760 or 1780. Maybe. And now Harley has 107 cubic inch, 114 cubic inch, and I think the new they make a CVO, which is a custom vehicle operation, and I believe they're up to 117 cubic inch on those.
0: Engines just keep getting bigger, man. That's that's, yeah. all, that's the only direction they're going these days is bigger. I know.
1: I know. And, and I've thought about that new, they call it the Milwaukee 8, the new 107 or 114 cubic inch. But I have all the power I need with that 103. And if I have the power, I'm the type of guy that would use it. So I don't need it. Um, But, yeah, that that 2013 Street glide's a pleasure to ride. That's just the kind
0: of stuff, though, that gets young kids in trouble, though, is when they get that big power and they want to use it all and they don't know how.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can go 100 miles an hour real quick, but you can't slow down real quick, so that gets you into trouble. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So, next question. What is it about Harley-Davidson, in your opinion, that you think creates such this, this loyal following? Like, you know, we have the contraband Goldwing pictures, but... You know, we don't show those to people. It's all Harley. And, you know, right. there's thousands of other people that are the same way. So what? what is it that makes this, you know, die-hard following, in your opinion?
1: You know, it's a way of life. Um, it's it's a way of life. My understanding, when the boys came home from World War Two, they had been over uh, in Europe, and they'd been riding those old Harleys over in Europe. I think, um, in Harley, the mil-
0: made, I think Harley made tens of thousands I think I've seen numbers I don't remember what they are probably 50,000 plus motorcycles for yep. the military and
1: they were shipping them over there and when those boys came home they they bought Harley-Davidson's. And some of them, you know, jobs weren't available back then, and some of them could get jobs, some of them couldn't. Some worked on these motorcycles. People started cutting them up, chopping them up, modifying them. People like riding together. They created little groups or gangs of motorcycles, and it was just um, a way of life. They just—it was just freedom. It had freedom written all over it, and I think that—that is personification of Harley-Davidson is carried through from after World War II until today. It's a way of life. Um, I mean, Honda's a great motorcycle, Kawasaki, so on. But the Harley-Davidson, the whole vibe, um, the whole way of life, it's a culture. You know, the look, the sound, you know, it really represents freedom. It represents badness. I mean, it represents America. It's made in America. It's, you know, through and through. Yeah. Um, so I think it just, they just nailed it, you know?
0: I mean, that's the entire vision of Harley Davidson is a, you know, that, you know, the big old biker dude just cruising down the highway on his, on his Harley Davidson cruiser bike, you know, just back, n- eating up nothing. the miles, just the wind, him and his bike.
1: Yep. There's nothing like it. And Mar- and Harley Davidson's always done a fantastic job of marketing. Um, I'm pretty familiar with the company and they, they've had some huge marketing fails, and they've had huge marketing successes. And I think they've had more successes than fails. But their marketing is just amazing.
0: Part of that goes, I think, with everything that they make that's not motorcycles. Because, you know, they've got the memorabilia. They've got the clothing. They've got, you know, they've got their own insurance line, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've they've made more money off of clothing and accessories probably than they've ever made of motorcycles. I believe when I bought that cobalt blue 99 road king i believe they were only i would have to look into it cuz i'm getting old <laughs> i believe they produced 185,000 motorcycles a year back then and there was bigger demand that's why they had the waiting list since then they have increased the production numbers um to keep up and they've increased their production numbers in europe like immensely over the last 10 or 15 years
0: which is which is good because you know it's the non-american market that harley's going to need to start reaching out to um, right if they want to continue to be higher up in the industry like they are
1: absolutely so you figure if they're making uh, let's say three thousand dollars profit off of one hundred eighty thousand motorcycles that's not much for a big corporation but when you're selling T-shirts, hats, exhaust pipes, headlights, chrome, the accessories, yeah, the, that's that's where the money is.
0: All the aftermarket customization parts that they sell, too, like for the yep. old sportsters and things.
1: Yep. And they constantly change. change. They're always coming out with new stuff, new styles, new clothing, new accessories. It's amazing. So that, that part of Harley-Davidson, it keeps the old bikers involved and it allures the new bikers, you know.
0: And then moving moving right along here, we've got this next bit. You know, Harley, we know, has shifted owners throughout the years, right? They had the AMF years uh, back 69 to 83 or something, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, reputation went down, production got cut, quality went down. But it shifted owners but never went bankrupt, whereas, you know, its leading American competitor, Indian, has gone officially out of business – Twice, I think it was went out, got rebought, uh, late 20th century, and then now is owned by Polaris after it went mm-hmm. bankrupt again. So, what what do you think the big difference there is that's allowed Harley to just remain continuously in production for you know hundred years plus?
1: Yeah, that's a tricky question because there was really tight competition with Indian um, back in the 50s and 60s. Um, Indian actually, I think, overtook Harley in sales back at that point. Um, the big thing back then was motorcycle racing, hill climbs, mm. flat tracking, and Indian was winning everything. And Harley just kept trying to get bigger, better, bigger, better. You know, that might even go back to the forties. And I know,
0: uh, I know back in the very early 20th century, um, uh, Indian was actually founded before Harley. So they were out mm-hmm. putting out motorcycles and winning races before Harley was even founded.
1: Correct. Yeah, so I don't know what Indian did wrong ever that they (laughs) did. I don't know why they went bankrupt. I mean, they made a a fast, beautiful bike back in the day. And I know when Indian came back, um, you may know the dates better than I do, but when Indian came back recently, like 15 years ago, it was basically uh, Indian's name. On an aftermarket motorcycle, they had aftermarket engines, aftermarket pipes, aftermarket ignition switches. Um, Harley Davidson's all Harley Davidson. Um, I think they, I
0: think that could partly be because it's been continuous. You know, there hasn't been any shifting, right? Of, like, I don't know.
1: I know Harley's come close a couple times to yeah to bankruptcy. Uh, they had some horrible design issues in the 70s they had the engine issues you know they leaked all over they didn't yep. run and you know they pulled themselves out of it um that was
0: so. Uh, that, those were during the amf years i believe oh those years are horrible yeah yeah um, i think that's that's where the uh the nickname hog came in that was all the maintenance that that's where they gave their uh, reputation for being uh, maintenance heavy isn't it
1: You'll have to look up that nickname Hog. There was an old uh, board track racer, I believe, who used to put his pet pig on the gas tank during a race, and that you'll have to look into that, but I believe that's when they started calling Harley's Hogs, was because this, I forgot the guy's name, but his nickname was the Hog, and he always had his pet pig on the gas tank when he raced, or when he went to the races, but um, I read that a long time ago. But, yeah, I believe that's when they started calling Harleys hogs.
0: Well, that, that would make sense. I mean, a pet <laughs> pig, you know, it's a hog. Yep, <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's kind of an interesting story.
0: You think it could have something to do with um, uh, the innovation that Harley's been doing? You know, they've they've come out with new motorcycles. They've come out with new engines. They've come out with new models and stuff over the years, and they've continued to innovate, whereas Indians kind of, they rely on their, uh, how, how do I just say, like, old school models like they still have the chief right from the 40s mm-hmm. they still have the scout that is basically the same look and size and feel as it was in the early years it's like the same thing Do you think it has anything to do
1: with it absolutely and you know what i'll tell you something else the founding father of harley davidson i think his name is william harley bill harley his uh, grandson uh, william willie. Harley. yep
0: willie yep. g davidson he was one of the ones that bought it back from amf
1: yep willie g and i will tell you i know this for a fact um, Willie G, after the AMF debacle, was trying to figure out what they were doing wrong. And he was one of their lead designers. And he came out with a couple of bikes that flopped. One of them, you could look into it. It's nasty. It was called a boat tail. It had this big, flat rear fender on it. He thought it was the greatest thing. They came out with it and it was a flop. After the failure of the, of the design of the boat tail, he started going to motorcycle shows. And he wanted to see what people were doing because they were cutting up, chopping, modifying these Harley Davidsons. And he kept seeing choppers. Yep. That Um, that leads into
0: the early 2000s, doesn't it, with the big custom chopper phase that
1: that America went through. Yep. And then they also had the bobbers, tear the front fender off, put a big fat tire on, higher handlebars. So Willie G started going to motorcycle shows to see what America wanted, what they were doing, what they liked instead of his own designs he started taking his design ideas from motorcycle shows guys like me cut up and paint their motorcycles he was looking what was doing what was trending and they started designing their motorcycles according to what the people were building and what the people wanted and i think that was huge when when he recognized that as the lead designer for harley davidson to start making this soft tail custom I bought was kind of like a chopper look. It had a long rake on the front end, yep. a skinny front tire, spoke wheel. All these designs Willie G started coming out with were were copycatted after things he'd seen people doing in their garage at motorcycle shows. So I think he really kept his his finger on the pulse of the design of what people were doing, building, and, sure. and wanted. And he could do it 10 times bigger and faster and and produce them and sell them so then people could just go buy that look. They didn't have to build that look. It saves
0: them the work and the aftermarket parts and the time I and think the know-how. and that
1: was genius of him to do that. Like, and I you think said, it,
0: like you said earlier, the marketing that Harley has done is brilliant because if you yep. can appeal directly to what the people are doing, Like, why not? Save the company too. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep. I think that was a really big thing after the AMF when... Willie G, I know he designed a couple bikes that were horrible looking, and um, and then he just got out there. He went all across America to bike shows and rallies, see what people were doing to their motorcycles, and then they that's where they started taking their ideas.
0: Oh, that is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know, and it sounds so simple, you know. So why didn't anybody else do that? And like you say, Indian stuck with the same design. Indian kind of runs on their name. Yeah, they haven't done anything super innovative in years.
0: The only, um, the only innovative one that I can think of off the top of my head is the uh, Indian FTR, which is more of a naked bike. Uh, okay. More of a modern type thing. It's, I don't know what it's, it's 100 horsepower or something, but it's a, it's, a yeah. good, it's a good looking bike, more of a modern bike. But other than that, the only Indians I can think of are the Dark Horse, the Chief, the Scout. Scout I mean, they have the Scout Bobber, but it's all mm-hmm. the same names. They've got the same basic look.
1: I was out in Wyoming a couple years ago, and we pulled up to like a motorcycle party, and I had a gentleman next to me on a brand new Indian. It was beautiful. I don't know what model it was. It was burgundy. It had all the bells and whistles, all the chrome, and a big fairing on it. And I was talking to the guy, and I said, how do you like your Indian? And he's like, $55,000 worth. I love it. And it had a retractable windshield. A so retractable
0: he said, windshield. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's he, something I'd expect
0: was, on a Goldwing.
1: He was sitting next to me at a stop sign, and he goes, check this out, and he hit a button, and his windshield went down into the fairing. I thought that was pretty neat, but as I looked at that motorcycle, it had a lot of plastic on it, you know, and that's another thing. hardly steel, you know, American iron, you know, that's just tough right there. That just represents toughness. Um, so I'm glad they haven't gone the other direction, to fiberglass fenders. And everything, but, but yeah, that, uh, that Indian was beautiful, but, but, um, my, mine was sitting there vibrating and I know he was more impressed with my yellow motorcycle than his. <laughs> I like to think so anyway. Man, I wish I got that Harley instead of this
0: $55,000 boat. <laughs> he could have had three Harleys for that. Yeah. 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 Some of those top ends get way crazy expensive. Yeah. I mean, like Harley trikes are $30,000. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I know that.
0: Speaking of money, but um, Harleys are more expensive than some other motorcycles, but, you know, cheaper than 55, obviously. But uh, you are paying for the name and stuff sometimes, and they aren't necessarily sport or performance-oriented like some of the younger kids today may like. So <laughs> do you think as some of these more, like, naked uh, naked bikes, uh, super sports, uh, street rider sport bikes come more popular... More available, you know, cheaper. Uh, Do you think Harley's going to continue to be um, at the very top of the industry like they are now, like they have been for years? Yeah,
1: you know, Harley's unique. Um, Like I said, they're they're not a sport bike. They're not made necessarily for um, tearing the country up, ripping around corners. They're generally they're larger bikes. They're cruisers. Um, Like I say, they're they're not plastic. They're steel. So. Um, a guy like me would never buy a plastic motorcycle. Harley did go to the V Rod years ago, and I believe they had Porsche help them design that engine. Now it was a long, low, sleek, partially touring, partially sport bike, very fast. Um, it went over, it went over pretty well. But, was
0: that partly electric too I believe no nope.
1: no not that one not the V rod no. and but this thing had it was just insanely fast uh, it went over pretty well but I don't think it went over like they thought it was gonna go over so I would like to think they kind of dabbled in that sport bar- sport bike market with the V rod but I don't think it was a big home run for them and they just stick with what they know. And they got, you know, the cruisers and the touring bikes. Um, I do know they're, they're getting pretty um, – they're adventuring out pretty good in the electric motorcycle market. Um, again, they're carrying their name in there. The, I no desire to ever ride an electric motorcycle. <laughs> um, I don't know a lot of people that would. But Harley – once you become a Harley guy – you know, it's just like I say. It's everything they got going on. It's the culture. It's the bike. It's the sound. It's the attitude. Uh, there's no getting away from that. Nobody, nobody can. Nobody can. can nobody copycat. can create. That, nobody can create that, that, that lifestyle right. that Harley has. It, uh, absolutely. Known for. And I mean, That's but absolutely. Kind
0: of, kind of counter your point. They've got the. They're branching out. They've got the Sportster S now. I believe that was released last year or the year before. That is. Very much a more sport-oriented motorcycle. Um, mm-hmm. I saw a guy; he got it to do zero to sixty in the same time as one of the fastest Harleys ever produced, and this yeah. is a mass-production motorcycle.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I know they, they usually do a pretty good line with their you know their lower price line motorcycles, like the Sportsters, the Eight Eighty Threes. They do make some really good-looking ones, and that's another thing; they do keep those reasonably priced. Where a young man whose dad doesn't want him to have a motorcycle <laughs> could afford to go get a ten or a thirteen thousand dollar bike, and you're on a brand new Harley. It's a great starter bike, and they've always done that as well. So I think they've always kept, you know, their older crowd happy with the bigger touring bikes, and are always introducing the the more feasible price line motorcycles that still have great styling, great sound and they keep them priced for beginners or people that don't want to have a big wallet, you know. Yeah. So yep. so they've done a good a really good job of of covering that that you know demographic too.
0: For sure. Now, as a tried and true Harley head as I'm going to call you, and today's episode is uh, someone who loves the cruiser style and the traditional Harley style, would you ever consider riding the Pan America that Harley released a year or two ago? Their new adventure bike
1: you know what i'm not even familiar with it is it like an enduro bike uh like an on-road off-road
0: yeah it's like uh it, you can do both it's got okay
1: uh i've seen bmws like that out yeah. on the road and it stuff.
0: Doesn't, it's it's different looking than any other adventure bikes i've seen uh it's got okay. a lot of suspension travel a uh, higher seat um bigger windscreen obviously yeah uh you'd have to look up a picture I can't pull it up obviously but yeah
1: I'd have to take a look at it I'll tell you um I'm probably beyond that I'm more of just a cruising touring guy but I have been out on the road and in the mountains and I've seen a lot of people come down from Canada um that ride those bikes and they will ride the road and then they will take off-road excursions like ATV trails or just back roads up in the mountains and I know that's becoming a very popular um, hobby to, to yep. do those enduro-type motorcycles. So, And I've seen enough of them out there. I think that could be a, a big hit for Harley-Davidson to, to tap, tap into that yep. market.
0: To branch out a little bit more from just yep. the cruising aspect of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, I'll have to look at that. That's interesting. Yep. I still ride dirt bikes, too. I'm 52 years old. Well, oh, You can't, still, can't get, still, old. Yeah, you get no. too
0: old to ride a dirt bike, you know?
1: No, I still ride. I am just, just need to be a little more careful. A <laughs> little, little softer
0: than we used to. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I crashed one last year pretty good. I walked away.
0: Well, that's the important part, because <laughs> you can walk away.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, well, I think that that's all my questions that I've got. You got anything you want to add at the end here, Dean?
1: Oh, I will tell you... I will tell you this, the first night that I bought my har I bought my first Harley off a friend of the family, and I had to wait about nine months because there was a waiting list. He was waiting for a brand new touring bike, and he said, when my touring bike comes in, you can have my soft tail, and this thing was beautiful, and I waited and waited, and I waited nine months. He called me up. I was at work in the afternoon. And he said, my motorcycle's in. You come over tonight and get your soft tail. And I went over there and got that soft tail. I thanked him a 1,000 times, and it was dark out. And I remember riding down Highway 50, leaving Bristol, and the speedometer was all lit up, and it's a real vintage-looking speedometer. And on the bottom of the sp- speedometer, there's letters, and it says, Harley-Davidson, made in USA. <laughs> and I will never forget the feeling I had riding my first harley that i bought at night down the road with that speedometer illuminated and it's that harley davidson made in the usa and that was it i was locked and loaded since then i was locked in that was it so once you if you ever get an opportunity take a ride on one take a ride take one for a ride ride with somebody and just get out there on the road feel it appreciate this country. And appreciate your motorcycle and the freedoms that we have. And I can't explain it. You gotta do it for yourself. Uh, so those
0: I'm trying. I just gotta um, convince my mother. <laughs>
1: definitely. Well let me know. You can come over and borrow one. <laughs> oh, don't tell her that.
0: Don't tell her that. <laughs> well, I won't.
1: That's on you.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much, Dean. I appreciate your time, sir.
1: Hey Alex, I appreciate the interview. Thank you.
0: Yep. Goodbye.
1: Okay. Bye.
0: As we wrap up today's episode, I would love to give a huge thank you to Dean for taking the time to talk with me. Clearly, he loves his motorcycles, and if I understood correctly, it was really the Harleys that made him fall in love with them. It's simply amazing the effect that a machine can have on a person, and Dean isn't the only example of this. Thousands of other people across the world love motorcycles and the sport of motorcycling because of Harley-Davidson, and they have for over a century. And for these people, that's what motorcycling is. And the history that comes with Harley-Davidson, and the culture that comes with Harley-Davidson, and the community that comes with owning a Harley-Davidson is unlike any other in the motorcycling industry, and it cannot be matched by any. This has been Alex Bush, and thank you for listening to The Iron Steed.